It's awesome, uh, the privilege that I, I've been able to have preach twice here now. Uh, it, it's crazy. And some of you people are really relentless. Uh, I've already been called a long-winded preacher, and I haven't even preached that much. So, and, and it's like you people bug me saying you better keep the message short. Well, just for you people, I'm going to make sure it's extra long. <laughs> just kidding. I'm, I'm really nervous, actually, about it the time length of my message. Um, I, I remember back when I was in high school, uh, the first times that I actually preached were for fine arts. And um, the time limit we had to preach at fine arts was six minutes. And I remember being scared to death because I had to preach for six minutes. And I was like, what am I going to fill that time with? They wouldn't even let us pray. They wouldn't let me pray to fill up. I was going to like make a really long prayer and then just preach, give a short like two-minute devotional. But they wouldn't even let me do that. Uh, so uh, I might do like a 25, 26-minute prayer before I actually begin my message tonight. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, I'm going to start off with, an, with a story. Uh, it's not the best thing to do when you're preaching is to tell stories, but it's, a, it's to kind of give an idea as to what I'm going to be speaking of tonight. Once upon a time, there was a fire in a small town. The fire brigade rushed to the scene, but the firemen were unable to get through to the burning building. The problem was that the crowd of people who had gathered, not to watch, but to help, these people were actually trying to help, uh, it, the problem was with them when they tried to show up. And they were trying to put out this fire. And they all knew the fire chief very well. Their children had uh, actually climbed over his fire engines during excursions to the fire station. Uh, And the friendliness of the fire chief was extraordinary. So when this fire broke out, the people rushed out to help their beloved fire chief. Unfortunately, the townsfolk were seeking to extinguish the raging inferno with water pistols. They'd all stand there from time to time, squirting their pistol into the fire while making casual conversation. The fire chief couldn't contain himself. He started screaming at these townsfolk, What do you think you're doing? What on earth do you think you're going to achieve with those water pistols? The people then realized the urgency of the situation. This is really serious. Now they, they really, really wanted to help out this fire chief because they knew that he was, he was really trying to put out this fire. So they started squirting their water guns even more. Come on, they encouraged each other. We can, do, we can all do better, can't we? We, we, we? we can put this fire out. Squirt, 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 squirt. Nothing happened, right? Exasperated, the fire chief yells again, Get out of here. You're achieving nothing except hindering us from doing what needs to be done. We need firemen who are ready to give everything they've got to put out this fire. People willing even to lay down their own lives for this fire. This is not the place for token contributions. And we might laugh at the fact that these people were actually trying to put out a fire with water pistols. We might say they're not the brightest crayons in the box. Um, But how sad is it that there's a lot of people in this world who are willing to do whatever it takes to do the right thing, but fail to actually commit to the real deal? That's kind of what we're going to see in the account of the rich young ruler tonight. So if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 19... We're going to be reading out of Matthew 19. And I'm actually going to pray real quick. This isn't going to be a 25, 26-minute prayer, but I just feel that I'm led to pray right now. So, Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. And I just pray that 
uh, as I give this message, Lord, that you will empty me of self and that you will fill me with your Holy Spirit and that uh, I would only say the things that you would have me to say and that it would be an encouragement uh, to the people here, Lord, and just be with the rest of this night. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, in Matthew 19, we're going to be starting in verse 16. We're going to read down to verse 22. And it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith, he saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So, we're looking at the the account of this rich young ruler. Uh, We don't know if he's a young man. We do, but... uh, First off, seeing through this man, we we see, if you're taking notes, number one, an unhappy man. Uh, When we're reading uh, in in the first verse that we read, and it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So, first off, this man comes up to Jesus, and he addresses him as good master. And derived from the Greek, uh, it, it is pronounced excuse me if I totally bomb this, agathos didaskalos, literally meaning good teacher. And he asked him, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he failed through this by calling him good teacher. He failed to see the true identity of Christ through his blind ignorance. And God, God replies to him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. He called Jesus a good teacher, putting him on the same level as any other great person in the eyes of man. And he also failed at recognizing the true way to gain eternal life. See, this man was focused on himself. Uh, when, when he asked the question, he says, What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? How often are we focused on what we can do rather than what God can do? It's a scary place to be. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 18 says, let, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be, made, that he may be wise. And we know that salvation is not anything that we can achieve through our own strength. And the Bible speaks clearly on this. It's scary how we can get things so twisted and, we, and people can get so confused and we get all these different doctrines from just misreading the Bible. And first off, we, we cannot, we know this, we cannot be saved through our good works. Uh, the Bible clearly says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a free gift. God sent his only son to die on that cross, and it's free. It, it's, it's for us to accept 
And, and there's no, nothing we, we have to do to earn that gift. We just have to simply believe that, that God sent his son to do that for us. There, there's nothing good here that's going to make you go to heaven. You're not going to be, no matter how much good stuff you do, you're not going to earn your way to heaven. And there's a lot of people in this day and age that if you ask them how they know they're going to go to heaven, they say, well, I think I'm a pretty good person. Well, I hate to break it to you, but there's only one way to get to heaven. And also, we're not chosen to be saved. Uh, it amazes me how many people are getting caught up in this movement. Um, Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Bible teaches that Christ died for all mankind. The reason not all, all people are saved is because they have failed to repent and receive the Savior not because he didn't approve for their salvation. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4 says, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. God desires for you to, to come to him. He, he set up the perfect plan for you just to simply believe in him. He doesn't choose who gets to be saved. He doesn't... He doesn't how, how would that plan really work out? Because these people believe that a certain amount are saved. A certain amount of people are saved throughout all of this time, but, and these people believe that they're one of them. How do they know for sure? They don't. Where, where's, where would God be, where, where would his mindset be in that? It, it's not. God is not of that. God sent his son to die for all of us, and it's a free gift for all of us to accept. And we cannot lose our salvation, and this is actually something that I have had to deal with personally a lot, um, just talking to different people, I know a lot of people that believe that you can lose your salvation. And it's, it's a sad thing because these people, uh, they, they believe that obviously it's a free gift to accept. But God, if I sin, God will take that away from me. And John 10 verse 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Don't be little God. Where's your faith? Uh, this, this rich young ruler, he was, he was searching. He wanted to know how to get to heaven. And next we see that he was rich, but he wasn't happy. Uh, in, in verse 22, uh, we'll read it again. It says, when the, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. How often do we think that if we just had a little more, we would be happy. If, if we just had more money, if we had good health, if we had all these things, we would be happy. You know, the world divides people into these ranks. You know, we, we have lower class, middle class, upper class. And oftentimes, people are treated awful just because they're the lower class. And the people that are on the higher class get treated like they're royalty, like they're something special, like they, they deserve to be up at the top. But Newsflash is for these people, your earthly possessions are going to mean absolutely nothing in the end. Um, we all know the passage, and it says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor dust doth corrupt, nor rust doth corrupt, sorry, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. How would you react if you went home tonight 
and all of your earthly possessions were gone. Let's say your, your house burnt down, somebody, somebody robbed you. How would you react? Really think about that. Would you blame God for him doing that to you? Would you, would you blame it all on him? Or would you glorify God through the things that you still do have? You still have a life. You still have the opportunity to glorify him through all of this. But people, people blame God for bad things that happen to him. And that's not the case. And we, we see also that this rich young ruler, he was a good man, but he still was not happy. Uh, Jesus gives him an opportunity here. He says, But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, shalt not commit adultery, not steal, bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man says, All these things have I, have I kept from my youth up. I'm confused. I've done all these things. How come I, I don't have eternal life? And his heart was empty. He's, he knows that he's still missing something. What lack I yet, he says. He knows he needs something more. He was so close to realizing the truth. He was so close to making the right choice. I can just imagine his thoughts, maybe something along the lines of, I know that I'm missing something. I know that I need something more. Maybe Jesus will be able to help me if, if I just ask him. I'm sure he could help me. And this leads me to the next point of this man. This man, number two, was an uncommitted man. So we break it down to what is commitment? And commitment means the state or quality of being dedicated to something. Have you ever been dedicated to something? I would imagine that you have. I have. I still am. I have a wife. I am fully dedicated to my wife. I, I chose when I said I do to stay no matter what. I, it's a commitment. And you too, if you're married, you should have made that commitment. It's not something you should just back out of if you're not feeling it today. Um, but this rich young ruler, he had the choice to be committed to Jesus Christ. And it's seen in verse 21, which I call the call. Verse 21 says, Jesus said, said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Now, this was a call of sacrifice, not salvation specifically. Jesus wasn't saying that if this man were to go and sell all of his stuff and give it all to the poor and just, just get rid of everything, he's going to go to heaven. He, Jesus wasn't saying that. We already established that salvation is by faith alone. But in order to be saved in the first place, a person must acknowledge that he is a sinner who has fallen short of God's glory. See, Romans 3, 23, we all know it, says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus gave this man one task, one that should be simple in the eyes of somebody who truly wants to know what it takes to gain eternal life. So this man had a decision. In verse 22, it says, But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This man was not willing to comply to God's task for him. Why, we might ask, you know. He, he lays it all right out for him. Maybe, maybe this man was thinking, maybe this is just too strict. You know, is this, just, is this too much for me to do? The man simply was not willing to commit himself to Christ. It says he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. 
The Bible just says he went away, as if right when he heard God's call for him to do, it wasn't even a thought to him. He just left. He was sorrowful. And that literally means to cause grief, to be in heaviness. You know, have you ever been sorrowful? Have you ever felt that heavy heaviness on you? This man was, was sorrowful. He, he, didn't, he didn't know what to do, so he just left. He had these great possessions, and he was unable to give up his earthly wealth for eternal life. He knew. He knew that he was missing something, and yet with his blind ignorance after Jesus told him the way, he still walked away. You know, we, we can't just be partly committed. We can't expect God to bless us when we are only half-hearted in our surrender to him. We can't say that we will do anything for Christ when we don't even seek him in the first place. We have to be wholly committed. We have to surrender our whole heart to God, letting him have the complete control. We have to seek God before anything else in our lives. It must be our first priority. So number three, we see that we have a person with a decision to make. And that person is you. See, are you happy? And I'm not talking about the world's view of happiness. As I said, wealth, fame, good health. I'm talking about true happiness. You might ask, how do I actually achieve this true happiness? Turn to Colossians 3 and verse 1. I'm going to read a few verses here. We all know this passage as well. Colossians 3. And it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You know, our desires should be nothing but focused on things above. We're to seek for the things above. We're to strive for these things. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8 say, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. When God says, he that seeketh, findeth, that's a promise. See, when our first priority is to set our affection on things above, we realize that nothing here on this world, in this earth, can truly satisfy us. Yeah, we may find temporary joy in certain situations uh, or, or, a different, or different circumstances, but they never truly fill that hole that's in our heart. We all have that hole, and, and especially if we haven't dedicated our life to God. And we live in a day and age where anxiety and stress and worry have become almost just a normal thing for everyone to have. And it controls us. It, it literally controls everything we do in our life. And I looked up some statistics. Uh, I'm not big on statistics, but I, I was curious to see. And I found that in 2018, 2019 is similar, and 2020 is already looking to be even more. But in 2018, 48,344 Americans died by suicide. That's just America. This isn't the entire world. I didn't look up world statistics. But just in America, 48,344 Americans 
died by suicide. And in total, just in America, there was 1.4 million suicide attempts. You know, it's, it's so sad to me. People seek and seek, but they're seeking for true happiness in the wrong places. And we must set our affection directly on God. He's the only source of true happiness. He is the only one that can fill that hole that is in your heart. See, Psalm 144, verse 15 says, Happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed, happy, is the man that trusteth in him. And secondly, I would ask you, are you committed? Not half-hearted, but full-hearted. See, uh, a while ago, there was a man, you all know him by the name of Julius Caesar. Uh, Julius Caesar was on the shores of Great Britain with his Roman legions. And uh, they, they just crossed the channel with their ships, and they, they got onto the land. And Julius Caesar ordered his men to march to the edge of the cliffs of Dover. And when they got to the, the edge of the cliffs, he ordered them to look down at the water. And when they looked down at the water, they see their ships were engulfed in flames. They're, they're, all, they're burning down, and there's no chance of, of saving them. And they turned back to Julius Caesar, scared to death, because what in the world are we going to do if we want to retreat? What are we going to do? We have no way out of here now. And Julius Caesar did this for a reason. He did it to send a message both to his enemies and to his men. He was saying that we are fully committed to win this battle. There's no retreat now. There is no going back. There, and, and there... There is no way that we are, are not going to win this, and if we don't win it, I, we would rather die here on this land than, than to retreat. See, we need that kind of commitment when it comes to committing to Jesus. 1 Kings 8, verse 61 says, Let your heart therefore be perfect with the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. Perfect in that verse means committed. God wants you to be all in, per se, when it comes to your commitment to him. I just started reading uh, through the book. When I was in youth group, Pastor Hall uh, went through all in, and it was life-changing in our youth group, and it changed our group entirely. And so I never actually read through the book myself, uh, so me and my wife just started reading through all in. We got it, and I can't tell you the blessing that it has been and just how really convicting it is when you realize how, how much you aren't all in for Christ. It, it makes you realize, you know, am I here on this earth? Am I living for myself or am I living for Christ? And, you know, God wants you to be all in, like I said. And when you chose, when you got saved, when you chose to give your life to him, to him and surrender your life to do what he would have for you to do, you made a commitment. And that commitment is far more serious than any other commitment you've ever made. Don't be like the rich young ruler. Don't be so close to making that commitment and then back out. Although making the choice to fully devote your life, your time, your desires, your, your heart to God might seem like it's too big of a decision for you to make right now, it's something that you need to do. And you need to be all in when you make that choice. God doesn't want half-hearted followers. God doesn't want to be put on the back burner when something 
that you feel is important or something that you care about is more important and put ahead of him. God doesn't want you to say that you'll dedicate your life to him and then forget about that dedication the next morning when you wake up. See, it's a daily commitment. It's not something that we, we can say tonight. If you make that decision, you commit to God. When you wake up in the morning, that should be your first thought. I made that decision to commit to God. God should come first in your life. It's a daily surrender. In Luke 9, verse 23, it says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Colossians 3, verse 3, as we, as we read, says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So next, are you ready? If you haven't made the choice to fully commit yourself to God and go all in when it comes to your surrender to him, there's no better day than today. See, my God is a God of forgiveness. You may be sitting here today thinking, you know, I'm very well stricken in years, and I choose that saying because I don't want to say old, um, because some of you might get offended if I say that. Uh, and you say that, you know, I've lived my entire life. I, I've made the decisions that I made. I made those decisions when I was young, and that's what made me who I am today. That's what made me uh, just the person that I am, and there's no changing that. You know, that's a scary point for you to be at because there should never be a point in your life where you have the mindset that I can't be teachable. I can't, I can't make decisions anymore for Christ because I already live my life. That's, that's my past and that just makes me who I am today. That's, that's, that's not correct because we are supposed to grow in grace. And Second Peter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It never says to stop growing. It never says that once you've reached this certain point, that you, you've arrived. No, we're supposed to, from the, from the day we accept Christ into our hearts, we're supposed to grow continuously. It's a continuous movement of growth in, in Jesus Christ. And if you're sitting here tonight and you realizing that maybe you have had that mindset for quite some time now. God hasn't given up on you. It's not like God has turned his back on you and he won't, he won't accept you because you've been in this state of mind where I can't change. You've been in this state of mind for so long that you don't even know how to change. God is waiting there. God is waiting for you to, to open up your heart and your mind to grow in him. He's waiting with open arms, ready to embrace you, ready to, to help you in, in your growth through him. And you can rely on God to forgive you. And maybe you're sitting here today and you, you can't seem to have true happiness. You know, as I touched on before, God is the only source of true happiness that you will ever find in your, in your entire life. The only thing you're going to find true happiness in is, is God. See, when you, when you start thinking that other things are giving you true happiness, a relationship, money, that's when God is going to really hit you on the head. And he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna allow Satan to, to attack you in ways that he's trying to teach you that God is the only way to true happiness. And Satan's going to love, he's going to eat that up 
because you are loving your life right now because I am I'm rich. I have all the things I could ever ask for, but you don't have God. He's not priority. He's not top on your list. See, the Bible says to seek joy in the Lord. And it says when you seek for that joy, you're going to find it. Searching in the wrong places is going to do nothing but lead you to broken hearts and crushed hope. Don't, don't let Satan use these false idols to, in this world to lure you in, to entice you. Fight him and fight those temptations with the word of God. See, our, our eyes are supposed to be fixed on God. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, you have a God who sent his only son, his only son, to die on that cruel cross. He went through all of this, this suffering and pain. And, and it, it was all for you. It was, it was all for that, that, that sin that you... It was before you even committed that sin. And he goes and he suffers and he dies on that cross for every single sin that he knew you would commit throughout your entire life for every single person's sin in the entire world that he knew that they would commit, that they would turn their backs on God, he knew at that point when he was on that cross what he was doing. And he made the way for you to accept that. And what are we doing if we accepted that gift and we're not using our talents, our everything? We're not devoting our entire life to God. What are we doing? Why, why do we get in the mindset where okay, I accepted Christ, I'm on my way to heaven, I'm good. I can just sit back, I can just live my life now, do whatever I want, and I'm going to go to heaven when I die. That's true, you will go to heaven because you accepted Christ, but why wouldn't you want to glorify the God who saved you, the God who sent his son to die for you? What's the least that we could do? The least we could do is to glorify him in everything we do. What would your family say about you? Can they see Christ in you? What would your coworkers say about you? Can they see Christ in you? When you're upset, can they see Christ in you? You know, anger can really take control of everything we do in life. It can take the reins and it can destroy us. If, you, if, you don't, if Christ isn't your first priority, and let's say something goes wrong, something goes wrong at work, where it just it seems like something's constantly going wrong at work, doesn't it? Um, Something goes wrong, and it just, it's gotten to the point where, okay, it's just time to blow up. And you just completely let go, and you just blow up at everybody. How is that honoring Christ? How, how, do, how would these unsaved people see Christ in you? They don't. That's, that, that's seeing Satan through, through you. What would make them want to come to church? Because you're, you're this angry person. What's so different? What's so different about having Christ? See, that's not, that's not what God wants. And you have a God that loves you so much that he made that way for you to spend eternity with him. And there's nothing to be sad about. You know, God loves you. God loves you more than anyone could ever love you. Don't, don't seek for that love in other places. That will just lead you down a road where you don't want to be. God, would, God did do everything for you. 
And God wants nothing but for you to come to him. And I pray that God has spoken to you, has touched your heart through uh, this, this message in at least one area. You know, are, are you happy? Do you have that true joy in Christ that only can come through Christ? Or are you struggling in that area? Maybe you do deal with anxiety, depression. It's a real thing. It happens. But the only one that is truly going to help you through any of that depression or anxiety or worry is to rely on Jesus Christ to get you through that situation. He's the only thing that is going to help you. Don't turn to other, other idols and other things that will just they'll hurt you in the long run. They'll just make things worse. Don't turn to those things. Are you committed? Is your life fully devoted to Jesus Christ? You might, you might say that it's fully devoted. You might say that it's committed. But are you actually? Is, can others see Christ through you? Can, can others say that they see Jesus in you? That is my desire. I desire that people can see Jesus in me and that I can point others to Christ. But we're all human. We're all sinners. We all have our areas that we struggle in. But if we're committed daily to seeking Christ, Christ will daily help us. And don't walk, walk away today and don't be like the rich young ruler. Don't be like this man who he had every opportunity given to him right in his hands. Jesus explained exactly what he needed to do and he told him that he just needed to empty himself of all of his, his pride and all the things that he had because that's what it boiled down to. This man was prideful in his possessions. Don't let yourself get to that point where you're so prideful you won't give something up for God. If God were to ask you to, to give up everything you had today, would you do it for him? That's true commitment. That is truly seeking to be devoted to God. And don't be like this rich young ruler. Don't, don't get so close and then just walk away. If you have that burden on your heart where you, you need to make that decision, you need to do it. And that, that's just, it's plain and simple. That's what, what needs to be done. God wants nothing more than for you to, to come to him and to glorify him through everything you say and do. And I just pray that it was an encouragement to you. Uh, I'll pray and then we can move on to prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity that I have had to present what you have laid on my heart. And I just pray that if there's someone here today that maybe realizes that they're, they're seeking for happiness in the wrong places, maybe they realize that uh, they never truly seek you in the first place, Lord. They don't put you first and foremost at the front. I pray that you will touch that person's heart and that you will help them to make the commitment to dedicate themselves to you, Lord, to live out their lives for you and to um, just do as you would have them to do, Lord. And I pray that you'll be with the rest of the night. Keep everyone safe as they go from here. And Jesus' name I pray. Amen.